Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 903, good morning, uh, New Zealand. Uh, Marina, to uh, all of you listening around the country uh, on this Thursday, and uh, a day where we hope that uh, COVID stops where it's uh, currently located and doesn't move any further down the map because that's the way it's tending uh, at the moment and not not a good sign. So uh, let's cheer up the situation with a bit of sport in the next three hours. Sam Whitelock, uh, of course, uh, not part of the All Black group to this point, but about to rejoin them. Uh, has a bit of rugby himself this weekend, so uh, we'll talk to Sam uh, very shortly. Um, Dame Nolene Tarua on uh, the series coming up. Very important series. It, uh, it really doesn't represent anything in terms of trophies or points, etc. But man, they've, uh, they've, got to, they've got to really do some fixing after that English Rose series. So what does Dame Nolene hope to get out of this three-match series against the Aotearoa uh, men? Uh, Sir Graham Lowe. Sir Graham Lowe after 10 o'clock. A uh, lot to talk about in the league, isn't there? We've got uh, the retirement. Hanging up the boots of Benji Marshall, but uh, of course that was clouded a wee bit yesterday uh, by the announcement about Manu Vatave. So uh, we'll talk to Sir Graham Lowe about that. Ross Carl and Lavina Good will be our panel this morning. Then Nathan Rowry, uh, one of the foremost experts on American sport, after 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon. Well, Rugby League is notorious for passing us headline acts over the years for reporters and scribes. It has been the gift that keeps giving. And yesterday was a doozy. On the very day when one of the game's true greats consigned himself forever to the Hall of Shame, another strode proudly into the Hall of Fame. Manavadavay's admission to the importation of illegal drugs was rumoured to be coming, but it still hit us like a sledgehammer, a cult figure. Hero to so many, pillar to those from the Pacific is now reduced to rubble and at the mercy of the courts. And whilst it has all transpired post his playing career, Butterfly the criminal will always be Manu the beast, the league sensation that was. It's an association that can't be denied. Indeed, it's the story that was tainting the day. Until along came Benji and for the umpteenth time over his illustrious career, he saved the day. And for this media member, he certainly did that. You see, Benji is a great. That's so many have wanted to copy, to emulate. His wizardry, unique in a code that has provided so many wonders. So yesterday's announcement, although a little lost to some because of that other story, was far bigger for the game itself. His timing, as always, exquisite and classy. He could so easily have stolen some gloss from the Panthers 
by retiring immediately post-Sunday's grand final, but he chose to wait, not to make a knee-jerk decision out of disappointment, but more for sound reason. 19 years beginning with the Wests and ending with the Rabbitohs, so much sandwiched in between. It's over half his natural life committed to the game. Quoted yesterday, he said, I started off my journey in rugby league as a small boy from Whakatane chasing a dream and leave this game a grown man. Benji Marshall, the player, had great vision and our visions of him will always be the same. No doubt he won't be lost to the game. Someone will grab him, probably already have. Another topsy-turvy day for league yesterday. But through it, Benji was always the champion. Well, there's always a bit of edge, isn't there, when Canterbury play Wellington at uh, NPC level. has been for a long, long time. Great history of rivalry there. Um, but uh, this weekend, or tomorrow night's one in particular, we'll have uh, a little bit of extra star power on show because uh, Lions uh, for the Lions, Dane Coles is making a comeback. And in the engine room for Canterbury will be his All Blacks, uh, All Blacks teammate, Sam Whitelock, who, who joins us now. Good morning, Sam. Uh, you're looking forward to getting back into the game, particularly against Wellington, I would imagine. Yeah, good morning. You know, it's um, it's great to have the opportunity to get back out there and play. And as you said, it's going to be great to have my old mate out there, Colsey. So um, I'm sure there'll be a bit of chat at, at some stage. But um, no, looking forward to just getting out of the game. It's been a long time between between games for myself, and um, a little bit disappointed I was meant to play last week. But obviously, Canterbury had to buy with uh, everything being restructured. So just had a couple of big big sessions um, in the weekend. So. Definitely looking forward to, to playing, not just training. So, Sam, you missed the, the championship due to, to the birth of your of your third child. Everything going good? You, you know, everything uh, all in order there? And um, happy to be uh, heading overseas because it's uh, done and dusted there? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's kind of had a dollar each way to a point with, um, you know, not being able to get across with MIQ and the different rules and regulations that uh, have been put in place through different countries. So it was, it's was it been actually really nice to just take some time away from the game and, and retrain the body. And uh, Gilly, the, the trainer, has been working me pretty hard, so it hasn't just been a, a holiday sitting at home. But at the same time, it's been nice having some family time with, with all three of my kids and um, nice to have Penelope growing up now, you know, five odd weeks old so it's been uh, a few rough nights but um, you know it's been uh, pretty awesome too. Well Sam you got the silver cap for over 100 caps for the All Blacks how's it watching it how's it like watching the All Blacks are you a good rugby watcher? Yeah it's uh, it's not that easy to tell you the truth Um, it's still very obviously emotionally involved and, and definitely want to be there so it's uh, always good to know that when you aren't involved, you're you're missing it and, and you're riding the motion as the, the team performs. And it's definitely easier playing um, because you can actually do something about it when you're stuck at home watching a TV and the kids are jumping on you and things like that. It, it is harder to, to actually step back and watch it like a fan. Um, but mm. that's something that I've, I've had to deal with the last five games. And um, I think hopefully it actually makes me better as a player because of would have been able to see some things that are a little bit different um, from being on the outside looking in rather than being in there at the, the coalface. 
What did you make of that uh, last game against the Springboks, Sam? Yeah, it's really interesting. I thought um, South Africa put us as All Blacks under massive amount of pressure, and um, obviously everyone had talked around the style of game that South Africa were going to play, and they probably loosened up to a point. But in saying that, they still had you know a really good set piece. Their scrum was good, their lineout was good, and that's something that South Africa have always had, um, no matter over the last. 100 test matches, 100 years, they've always been strong in those areas and you can have the best plans in the world but you've got to go out there and do it and I think at times we did that but at other times you know, they stuck to what they were good at and put us under pressure because of it. Is it, from your point of view, I mean you're a big man, um, is it the most physical of battles uh, traditionally against their big men? Yeah, traditionally... I remember about five years ago I got asked the same question and they said, how do you sum it up? And I, I kind of took a while to think around it and it, it's actually pretty easy. They they catch the ball and they look at you from 20 metres away and they're just going to go, I'm going to run at you as hard as you can. Are you willing to put your head in that dark spot, get your shoulder under theirs and make that tackle? And, you know, that sounds pretty easy, but when you're doing it, you know, 15, 20 times a game, it, it does get hard and I think that's why it is so physical. Um, I know myself after pretty much every game I've played South Africa or been involved, whether that was 15 minutes off the bench or playing 80, it is always hard on the body. You're sore for a number of days after. And I think that's why for me as a Kiwi and as an All Black, I, I love playing South Africa because it's that, that mental challenge is just as much as the physical. It's, you've got to be prepared to go to that dark little spot in, in front. So one of the issues um, that came out of uh, Saturday night's game in particular, Sam, was that they disrupted, they got amongst our line out a wee bit. Uh, You're instrumental to that when when, uh, you're you're on the park. What what were the issues uh, that you sort of uh, observed from afar there? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, but um, it's going to be great when I actually get back into camp and I can uh, have a real good look at what the plan was and what they've been working on, but I think the main thing with all of it is actually just trusting our skill set. So jumping really fast and, you know, that allows the hooker to throw and, and the lifters to lift. And I know that's simple, but that, that's what undermines everything. Um, you know, that's your foundation. If you have you know, good uh, skill sets and um, speed and power is definitely a big thing with line-outs. If you can do that really well, then all of a sudden you're, you're in the, the game... Um, if you get slow, that can cause problems because it gives them time to catch up. So that's one thing that I know when I get back, that's something that I'm going to have to do, make sure I'm, I'm fast, you know, I'm jumping or lifting. And that's something that maybe we might have gone away from a little bit. Sam, uh, just as a general comment, and, and one that um, we often bring up in commentary, uh, is, when do you, is there a hard and fast rule, or when do you decide whether to, to compete on the opposition throw? Is there... Is there any part of the field or any particular type of opposition you just say no, uh, we'll just stand and wait and, and deny what they're going to throw at us? Or is there a rule about it? Um, I think with that, it goes into the week you know, leading into the test match. It's the plan and what are you trying to achieve. It, you know, I'd love to say we can go through every scenario through training and have a plan for everything, but sometimes you can't do everything because you, you know training wise you be on the field for hours and hours and hours so it's actually working out what the plan is where you're trying to put pressure on teams is it at 
line-out time or is it the breakdown? What do you want to train? And I, I think whatever you decide in that week, that's where you put your time and energy into it. And it's exactly the same with the line-out. If you want to jump, you've got to do that through the week. So you're, you're ready to go in the plan. And the execution's there. Or if you want to stay down or a combination of, of everything. Uh, but I think that's where teams are really good. Well, teams that I've played against that I've found challenging is when they they compete, they stay down, they might sack here, they might not engage, run someone around, and it's a variety. So as a caller, you go, what are they going to do this one? Are they going to mirror? Are they going to pod? And they just keep changing the picture and you don't let you get into a flow or a rhythm of the game. And that's my way of looking at it but some teams just love competing other teams will go well you win the ball but our breakdown's so good we're just going to turn you over the next ruck or so it's, it's kind of working out what the team wants and you go from there okay so you head to uh, the united states next week uh with with uh colsey with uh, shannon frizzell sam kane making his uh, comeback for king country this weekend and josh lord uh look th- this took a lot of us by surprise but do you know much about josh lord from taranaki no, I don't know a heap about him. Obviously, he's a little bit younger than I am. Um, but I have played against him a couple of times, and he's a guy that he is a big, tall man, and he's uh, been working pretty hard in the in the gym to put on a bit of muscle and things like that, as most uh, tall guys have to do when they're younger, um, myself included. But, uh, you know, I think he's, from what I've seen and what, what I've uh, heard about him, he's very athletic, and I think that's a great thing. And... Um, you know, it doesn't matter how you get your opportunity with Patrick and Scooter coming home for family reasons. You know, that's great. He's got an opportunity there. And I know for myself, I've got an opportunity through injury. And he's just going to make every post the winner, and I'm sure he will. Now, OK, so uh, we've got test matches coming up against uh, the USA, Wales, Italy, Ireland and France. Ideally, I, I would imagine Sam Whitelock would like to be a part of, uh, part of all those games. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys know me well enough now. I'm... Uh, I don't watch rugby uh, too well and I'd rather be out there playing and I feel when I am playing I can get into a a rhythm and I, f- I find that I, I play better rugby when I'm playing rather than playing here and there. Um, but that, that's never our decision as, as players. Uh, hopefully mm. I'm involved in, in all of them, like you say, and get to play big minutes because, you know, like I said, it, it is uh, great training but it's nothing compared to being out there playing week to week. A lot of people are saying that the big encounter will probably be the French one looking forward. Uh, they had a, a sort of a medium-strength team that took the, uh, Australia to the distance uh, not that long ago. Uh, do you see it that way, or is it a, a week-by-week thing for you, um, You know, beginning with Wales, who certainly will not be easy? Yeah, it's, it's always a week-by-week thing. I think the challenges of playing the States, being the, being the first one for myself, I haven't played a lot of rugby lately, so got uh, the Wellington game tomorrow um, so really look forward to getting into that but then yes it is that week by week but at the same time I think all of those teams can challenge us in different ways and you know the, the Welsh will challenge us you know the Six Nations champions um, correct me if I'm wrong there and then you know Italy they've always been a bit of a, a not a bogey team for us but we have struggled against them in the past with just different um, aspects of the game and then you're going into Ireland we know the history over the last seven or eight years how close those games have been um, at home and, and away 
and then yeah, the French they're um they're playing really well. There's some massive momentum over there. I'm talking to my little brother who's uh, still at Poe around the World Cup. Everyone's excited. Everyone's starting to really embrace the challenge that's involved. And the French national side are probably jumping on that momentum and they're playing some outstanding footy and they've got some great players over there that, that can uh, challenge us, whether that speed the game up or, or slow it down. So you're in action uh, for Canterbury. Colsey, of course, for Wellington. Uh, Josh Lord for Taranaki. Shannon Frizzell will be playing for Tasman by the look of things. And Sam Kane for King Country. What did you make of that news? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't actually know much about it. And then um, I saw it on the news and then uh, a friend sent an article and highlighted the bottom bit saying the Wanganui coach was after Colsey or myself. So growing up in the Manor too, I thought, oh, you know, that'd be quite cool running out there for a for Wanganui, but I'm sure Wanganui would be great. They've had some pretty good form over the last few years, but really cool for Sam to get out there and represent King Country. I know um, where he grew up in Riparaya, you know, it's pretty close to King Country, and you know it just shows. Doesn't matter where you get to in your rugby career, you know the the grassroots, the provincial stuff. No matter what division they're in, it, it is always special, and it, it's pretty cool when you get out there just to learn. The history about it, obviously, um, Colin Meads played a number of games for King Country, and I know Sam will be really excited about some of that history, and I'm sure he'll be learning quite a bit of it pretty quickly. Well, uh, Sam, uh, it's really cool that uh, you're back playing, uh, and you're back uh, about to head away and uh, rejoin the All Blacks. It's a really good sign for us here in New Zealand. Uh, nice to hear that everything's uh, all cool and uh, under control at home as well, and uh, you can go forward with a positive frame of mind. Travel well, mate. Play well tomorrow night, and uh, thanks for talking to us. Awesome. No, thank you. Cheers for having us on, as always. Yeah, cheers, Sam Whitelock there. Um, and back for Canterbury tomorrow. Of course, uh, former All Black captain Willie take over the reins uh, in some of those games coming up as well. Great possibility of that. Uh, and uh, don't we always feel good when we see Sam Whitelock in that jersey for the All Blacks? Just this little sense of um, security about it, I think. Him and Retallick together, very nice, very nice. 9.20 here on SENZ. Uh, look, issues, plenty of issues, uh, but I, I want to I, I focus on, um, still focus on the, the Vardavai thing. Vardavai, uh, uh, it's terrible. What do you think? I mean, some of you came in yesterday heavy. You've had a night to think about it. Uh, was uh, a very stern reaction warranted? Do we have to buy him some time, uh, give him a bit of, a, a bit of leeway here or not? And Benji Marshall, your impressions of Benji Marshall. Already had a great text in this morning about Benji. So uh, there are a couple to get you fired up today. Double eight double three is the text number. Stumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 9.26 here. Um, it's uh, really been a good start today with uh, Sam Whitelock. We've got uh, Dame Nolene Taurua uh, very shortly as well. Uh, but in the meantime, I've asked for your feedback on Benji Marshall and on Manu Vadavay. And Marg has phoned in from Christchurch. Good morning, Marg. Good morning, Smithy. How's it all going? Oh, look, we're, we're trucking along okay. Um, <laughs> frustrated for you in, down in Christchurch. Uh, I'd love to see you guys get that cup week up, up and running. Oh, definitely. That's always on the agenda. So I haven't quite packed away the fascinator yet, just in case. Fingers crossed, but you never know. <laughs> just, you never know. Hey, uh, some bad news yesterday coming through, and I find it slightly sad in a way, but it's bad about Manu Vatavai. It is. 
Well, it is, and I when I heard the news yesterday, and you asked for feedback, I thought, oh well, I'd pick, you know, I had my thoughts, and I slept on it overnight, and I heard you again today, and I don't, I must still feel the same. I think it's exceptionally sad that someone like that has had the fall from grace. He has, and because he is high profile, we're going to hear a little bit more about it in the news about what's happened, as opposed to if Joe Bloggs has has done that. Two things out of it, I see that. It's important that when we have our sports stars who, you know, their job is their sports and they get the training on the field, how you do your job and perform well. But I think it also highlights there needs to be training off the field to tell them how they cope with life if, when things change, either, you know, through an injury and they've stopped suddenly, what are they going to do? How are they going to be able to survive? Um, or two, when they do retire, what, what's the next move? You need to have plans and things in place. So I think it's not just training our athletes on the field. We also need to have that support and train them off the field so that they can cope with the next stages of, of their lives. Now, but in saying that, like everybody, incredibly sad, but every action has a consequence. And unfortunately, I still think... Um, he needs to have the consequence for his actions. Now, I don't feel he should be treated any differently because we know who he is, because Joe mm -hmm. Bloggs down the road um, still, will still get the same treatment. But, yeah, I, overall, I'm really sad about it, and I hope that the likes of the support staff of the people around these sports stars don't just sign them, send them on the field, right, you're no good to us, you're down the road sort out your life you know we need to look oh, after I, them. I, I really do appreciate your sentiments mate i also think how about this for an idea i mean he has to be punished uh, i mean there's so yeah. no way, other way about it he has to be punished and very sternly indeed but to the extent um that once he's done his punishment they use him in a better way so you know they don't lock away, lock away throw away the key i've had a number of texts about this issue don't throw yeah. away the key uh, at some point, you've got to reopen that uh, that door and say, right, what have you learnt from this? Now, get out there and help other people. Okay, and you've been punished, be, now help. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the right way because with all due respect, me going in to talk to a group of fellas or, or you know, athletes and say, right, well, you've got to think about what happens if you get injured or when you retire. You know, you need to follow the right path and you need to think about this. It's just going to like, well, who are you? But someone like that who's been there, done that, has the performance side of it and unfortunately the fall from grace um, but has worked their way through it will have, will have much more benefit um, teaching these, the young people coming through. You've got to think about what could happen because it might not go the way you want it to, your life, you know. No. I think he would be a valuable asset like that um, and then if they do round two of Dancing with Stars, let's get him back. Ah, okay, you'd like them in that. Uh, 9.30 here on SENZ. Mark, thank you very much for your call. And please, please keep the fascinator out. I'm an optimist, so let's hope you're getting a, a chance to wear it in about a month's time. Thanks so much for calling into the show. It's news time here with Trudy. Silver Ferns head back into camp today ahead of a Cadbury series with the Aotearoa men. Dame Nolene Tauroa named her squad of 16 yesterday for the three matches in Wellington starting on Sunday. And uh, she joins us now. We're really grateful for your time. Uh, good morning, Dame Nolene. This is uh, all of a sudden, this series becomes quite important uh, in the light of um, what happened against the English Roses, doesn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, look, our long term, which is actually not too far away, it's only like 10 months or so, is the Commonwealth Games. So uh, not that we got a spanking against uh, England, but um, there were definitely, I suppose, flaws that were highlighted, not only in strategy, but also individuals as well. So to be able to back up as close as possible to that series, uh, look at what are the areas that we need to improve on, but also having a um, an eye on the Commonwealth Games and final selections as well. So I think in these times, you know, like it's it's we don't know when we're going to get other competition, you know, so this is a massive opportunity for not only the team but also individuals to put their hand up. So after that England series, I'm sure you've done a little bit of head scratching and you've looked back on it time after time, but uh, we're really um, used to uh, sides, the silver fence side, once they get in front, not uh, surrendering leads, healthy leads. And, and that was one of the, I guess, the work-ons there. What, how do you fix that? How do you address that? Yeah, look, um, that you, you've actually pinned it on. We, we, over the last maybe two or three years, we've been synonymous with a certain type of brand. And one of it is actually to grind out the win, uh, either if we're down or if we're up. We, our ball retention has been something that we've prided ourselves on. Um, that was definitely exposed. So coming back into this camp, that's, that's really nearly number one that's going to be on the list and, uh, that's got to be put into our training um, I think uh, not making excuses because I, I don't but uh, there was a certain level that we could actually do going into England because of the lockdowns and uh, we had a managed load so we probably went about a 70-75% of what we could have done uh, in the training just so that we could make sure that we had people out on court but this, this camp we're going to handy um, so I'm really looking forward to that and you know we need to really push out ourselves and and that definitely our ability to keep ball retention uh, was not good against England. Well one of the things that you need uh, of course when things aren't going so right is consistency of leadership and unfortunately you named Gina Crampton as captain uh, and she wasn't able to fulfill that road uh, unfortunately due to to injury. Where's she at now and what are you looking in terms of leadership for this series? Yeah, look, uh, well, I'm really happy. Uh, she pulled her adductor, stra- well, she had an adductor strain, um, which meant that she was only able to take the court for the first game. Um, so happy, actually, now that she's done a lot of work. Her and Tiana were both uh, individuals that did the same. Um, and we think, once again, it's coming out of lockdown and just, just not having the preparation on the body to, to be able to take the load. So um, they've both done a really good job. Um, they won't be ready in time for the first game, but definitely, hopefully, the intention is the second and third game they'll be out there. Um, but you're right, once again, we ended up going through three leaders. Uh, Sulu was the next one on, te- on test number two, um, and then she got injured with her knee, and then Sammy Winders was test number Number three, and you know when they when you hit those critical moments of either being able to keep ball in hand or you know keep us tight, um, leadership probably once again was an area that we were exposed in. One of the other areas you're going to have to focus on greatly, I'd imagine, against a very aggressive men's team is is the defensive end of things. You're without Sula Fitzpatrick for the series, so where's your focus going to be there? Yeah, look, we've had to bring in um, a couple of players uh, from the Silver Fern Development Squad, so the level underneath 
to cover the um, to cover people actually in that unit. Um, defence in New Zealand or in the Silver Ferns is an area that we need to fill in regards to having more players. Uh, we do have players on the sideline who are not quite ready yet, uh, whether because of injury or coming back from having babies. So we know we've got an upside, but uh, we're, we're short on numbers in that end. So we've pulled two people in. Uh, Georgia Tong got the, you know, got uh, game time maybe about five or ten minutes on test three. Um, so for us to be able to see what she can actually do and back up, that's going to be once again a good opportunity for her. Paris Lokatui's coming in from Central Pulse as well. But I think uh, one of the biggest things that really shone out as well, we were great um, right at the start, but when they made changes in their shooting ends in particular, we didn't adapt fast enough. Uh, and really pretty much we became isolated from each other. So it means that, you know, we've got to go over the clarity of our strategy once again and um, make sure everyone's on the same page um, and, and really try and dig in there as to being quite smart um, and, and really having that sort of, I suppose, that mindset of being quite ruthless in how we approach the game. Um, so once again, we're, we're synonymous of being able to turn over ball and we didn't do that enough in England, uh, especially going into the second half when they started to dominate. Grayson Wiki, um, she looked really yep. uh, good and confident throughout that whole ANZ series. And it looked just like, uh, like the occasion perhaps and, and the English strategy got perhaps the better of her in, in that series. Yeah, look, um, England series is a great learning for her or a start to her international career if that's the way that she goes. Um, being up against uh, Jeeva Mentor is probably the best opposition, that one of the best in the game um, and very smart but also knows what she needs to do on tall players so she's used to that type of game. Um, I think with Grace, there's been massive learnings uh, in regards to the difference between ANZ and international. Um, not that she had a free reign in ANZ, but, you know, she was definitely um, not necessarily exposed, but there were areas of her game that were wanting. So I think, you know, we know that she's really tall underneath the post, so she does provide us with a point of difference. Uh, she probably needs to settle a wee bit more on her shots and I could see sometimes, you know, the air balls that actually happen there, but that's something that we can definitely work on and the skill sets of making herself available is also an area that we can work on. Um, but I, be, I think the biggest shift that needs to probably happen as well with her is her preparation and ruthlessness in regards to the mindset. Um, and that's always the difference between what I feel is international and domestic. You know, you've really got to go out there with that mindset of being tough, uh, being ruthless and, and going out there to dominate. So, you know, oh, she's only 19, but I know she learned a lot. Um, so playing against the men is another step to see, you know, if she can actually put those learnings into action. And, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, they play a different style of men. There's no doubt about it. Um, to anyone else in netball, they use their height, their athleticism. Uh, technically, they're different. So... Uh, when you go to a series like this, um, how do you how do you strategize looking to go forward and plan you for your you know for, for the stuff that really matters for the Commonwealth Games? How, how do you plan around that? Is it a case, uh, Dame Nolan, that the score is not quite as important as the as the how you go about it? 
Yeah, look, with the opportunity for us to get out there is huge. Uh, yes, the scoreline, because I, I think we did take a battering probably more to our prize. Um, and the expectation around wearing the silver fern, that's, that's once again something that I've got to put out there, and we didn't meet that expectation, and that's not good enough. Um, but for us, um, even though they do play that aerial game, they are definitely physical on the ball, uh, and we never went into England in that manner where we needed to really take them on, so that's an opportunity that presents for us. Um, and our second thing is um, we've got to get our timing right and our defence to get turn over more ball. Um, and we know that they play the aerial game, so we can't get caught on the body and we've got to set it up. And the third thing in our attacking is, once again, ball retention. If we do soft passes or things like that, it's going to get eaten up. So we've got to change the lines, change the direction and get those better than we did in England game. So totally a different um, style of game we'll come up against, but the fundamentals are the same for us. And once again, we've got to get our strategy right in both attack and defence. So um, we've just got to probably tweak a wee bit that we can't do any elevation stuff, but I'm... That's the stuff I want to play is the fast game. So a change of direction is something that we can work on against the men. So you won't get any trophies out of this series, but what you might do, uh, you yourself will get a lot more knowledge about your squad, but your players may gain some confidence. And, you know, with the, with the lack of opportunities going forward, we don't know how the world's going to present. Uh, uh, you know, these, every opportunity is so vital, isn't it? Yeah, it is, very much so. Look, I, I got a good feel about nearly everybody coming out of England um, and it's that ruthless in regards to where I am at from a coach and the selection point of view. So I would love the players to say out of this one, hey, your thinking is wrong uh, and you need to go back to the drawing board, darling, or your thinking is right and here I am and I'm ready for Commonwealth Games. Um, it's as easy as that in selections. But the biggest thing, as you say, we don't know when we're going to get out on court. More than likely, Commonwealth Games will go ahead if it goes along the same lines as, as Olympics um, and all the risk is taken out of it. And this could be our last, you know, fire out there. So, um, you know, opportunities are scarce in these days and planning is hard. So, you know, we've got these men on our doorstep at the moment and uh, not that we're redeeming ourselves from England. That's definitely not it. We are moving forward, but we've got to be better. Um, and, you know, this is another step for us as we lead into the Commonwealth Games next year. So I guess when your squad is assembles uh, today, uh, the next two days are just as, as uh, important as the game days themselves because you've got to cram a wee bit in, don't you? Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things, I think, is usually when we go into a series, we always, you know, we've always had a camp and we've always um, gone down to our 12, so it's easier to be able to manage but once again, because of the situation we are in and the loads and things like that, we've had a wider squad, you know, so 15 or 16. It is pretty cutthroat in our trainings, um, and we have to take that sort of uh, way, especially now coming into this Cadbury series. 
Um, so players have to be ready and put up their hand right from the start in the training. Otherwise, they may not get the opportunity again. So um, these next two days, we're going a hundred, as I mentioned before, as nearly full camp style, um, with the added bonus of playing the men and you know back to back to back, which sets us up for the Commonwealth Games and preparation of the body and the mind. So I'm looking forward to it for that respect. I, I think even if people sort of uh, not necessarily survive uh, the next two days, that's always a good start. And, and hopefully they find the joy in actually playing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, good luck uh, to that. Uh, travel well down uh, to the capital. And uh, <clears throat> let's just hope you get out of the series what, what you intend because uh, that's the most important thing. Thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for the call. Lots of texts coming in on the uh, Benji Marshall issue, of course, uh, the Manu Vadava issue as well. Benji Marshall, Smitty, what an absolute career he has had. 346 games, 18 years in the game, a true inspiration to a lot of young people over the last 18 years or so. Some of these young people who were inspired by him have joined him to be greats of the game. Unlike our friend at Manu V, I cannot find a single bit of information where Benji has slipped up in his career other than apologising to clubs for below-par performances. This man is a role model to all young Kiwis. Bring the great SENZ, uh, bring him to the great SENZ team to join John Day and Ian Smith in the mornings. Well, there you go. Uh, he'd be the headline act. Not sure we could afford him because we're paying John Day too much. Uh, how else are we moving along here? Uh, loved, uh, always amazes me how Kiwis love to put the boot in. Manu, Manu made some stupid choices. Now we have a great now we have a great opportunity to use his high profile to really make a difference in the war on P. Don't lock him up and throw away the key away. Sentence him to go out there and preach the Bible against this drug. There are several generations out there in this danger age group that would listen to the big man. Come on, New Zealand, let's seize the opportunity. Jail would just be a complete waste. PJ uh, from Tamuka. Smithy dating back to. Uh, Rugby League World Cup and the sleeping pill incident, numerous drug incidents in the NRL, and now Manu's criminal activities. Rugby League, as a community, must take a good, hard look at themselves. There is a clearly a massive issue with drug use, drug activities, and people connected to the drug world. These things happen over and over again, but uh, treat each incident independently of the other. Surely it's time to ad address the issue in its entirety. I smother regarding Manu, it is uh, more about what damage he is doing to the community, not about his reputation, which is now shot. Um, and a slightly more uh, upbeat thing, I, I guess a little more pleasant one to talk about. Why isn't Sam Whitelock playing for South Canterbury if Sam Kane is playing for the King? Uh, playing for King Country, that's Paul from Dunedin. Good point. I, I would have thought he, he might have turned out even for West Coast or something like that uh, when he had that week off last weekend. Perhaps uh, if he had his time again... He would, because that sounds like he's keen to get back into the game. And don't forget, uh, your text of the week could win you a temper pillow worth 299 bucks. It will come from this show, no, none of the other shows, our show, between 9 and 12. The best text of the month will also win a temper queen package, including a temper queen mattress, temper queen adjustable base, and two temper pillows valued at 10000 bucks. Get that, 10000 bucks. Multi-time next here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up.
Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we were heading for three in a row yesterday, but we missed out. Uh, the Yankees were beaten quite solidly by the Red Sox, uh, 6-2. So the Yankees are gone, the Red Sox prevail. Um, but uh, incidentally, uh, Mor- uh, Morocco did beat uh, Guinea-Bissau quite easily, about 6-0. And uh, Corinthians beat Bahia, uh, and I think that was 3-1 from memory. And Jordan are about to kick off against Malaysia. So it uh, would have been live, but for the Yankees. So uh, that one goes in the bin. Uh, today, though... The Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals at a buck 41. Uh, cricket, the Chennai Super Kings to beat the Punjab Kings at a buck 56. That is uh, IPL, of course, getting down to the very sharp end of that competition, too. And uh, in women's NBA, the Connecticut Sun to beat Chicago Sky at $1.49. Realization there of $3.27. Yeah, make sure you keep those uh, messages coming in, those texts, double eight, double three, on any issue you like, but specifically uh, the end of uh, Benji Marshall on the playing field, um, the end of uh, Manu Vadavai in a lot of areas, I guess, or should it be? That's the key. Uh, should it be? Um, so Graham Lowe is coming uh, to us uh, after the 10 o'clock news. Uh, he knows both these guys pretty well. Uh, we'll ask him about both of them. I want to focus mainly, though, on Benji. What a great career coming to an end and a classy way to bow out at that. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. One thing about playing professional sport is, um, is you play for your mates and uh, you don't let each other, each other down. So to see all you boys here today. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, I start off my journey uh, in rugby league as a small boy from Fakatani chasing a dream and I'll leave this game as a grown man who learned a lot of life lessons and I think turned into a pretty good person. Um, I feel privileged and honoured uh, that what the game has given me, um, the life I've been able to live. 19 seasons in the NRL has double the length of my life that I've been able to live so it's been a long time for me um, I want to thank the NRL for letting me be a part of this great game um, I'd like to thank the West Tigers South Sydney Rabbitohs the Brisbane Broncos and the St. George of Dragons for the opportunity to represent um, those four great clubs um, I'd like to make special mention to South Sydney Blake, Wayne the club for um, for the opportunity to, in my opinion, finish on my terms. Very classy, very emotional. That uh, was Benji Marshall yesterday who retired from rugby league at the age of 36, bringing down a curtain on a brilliant career spanning 19 seasons, 346 NRL games, the most by any New Zealander, as well as 31 tests for the Kiwis. And to reflect on his incredible career, uh, some good news stories coming out of uh, league finally as uh, former Kiwis coach and New Zealand rugby league icon Sir Graham Lowe. Uh, Lowe, good morning to you. What kind of words do, do you use when you describe Benji Marshall who has pretty much achieved everything you can in rugby league with dignity? Uh, good morning, Smithy. Um, I mean, what can you say? I think Benji 
in those in those few words that Benji said at his press conference that, that you've just played for your listeners, I think you, you mentioned it's class and style, and and Benji had a career that exuded class and style with everything he did, both on and off the off the field. And um, you know, I'm just so very proud of him, and without any doubt, he's our greatest rugby league player of all time that has played in this very very tough competition. What are, what are your favourite Benji Marshall memories in particular? Do you know, Smithy, the thing that I really love about Benji, and it's, there's, few, there's a couple of players that, that might be able to carry this on, but Benji is one of the only guys, that I, young players, that I've seen come into the game, not only Kiwis but Australians as well, but just talk about the boys that come over from New Zealand because the majority of the players that, that join NRL clubs have a natural flair that is somehow just bred into Kiwi sport. Because Kiwi sport, of any description, has their own way of doing things. And um, and Benji was a guy who who grew up, you know, probably sidestepping lamp posts, sidestepping trolley, car- trolley carts, you know, in the supermarket, and you're just trying things that, which we we probably may not see it as much nowadays, but certainly. In, in recent times, it wasn't uncommon to go down the road and see a little kid, particularly our young Maori, to see our young Maori going along and just sidestepping something, having a big small dummy and throwing a dummy at the shop, you know, at the shop or a car next to them. Or and and Benji was able to take that that joy, that that exuberant skill. He was able to take that to the West Tigers, and it didn't get coached out of him. And right up to his last game that he finished with Wayne, who, you know, Wayne's the greatest coach the game has seen, Wayne Bennett. And right up to the last game that Benji played under Wayne Bennett at the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Benji still had that flair. He wasn't, he wasn't overcoached. He didn't get the flair coached out of him. And unfortunately, in, in, in the NRL, like, like many sports, um, risk is such a big part, or, or trying to avoid risks is such a big part in the game that quite often many players, not, you know, they're, they're coached into not trying things that may a few years ago been on. So they try and avoid the risks at all costs. And Benji, while he was a team player of that, there's no doubt whatsoever, he was a great team player, he still maintained that independent flair and joy for the game. And it was brilliant to watch. Uh, look, he went through five sh- uh, shoulder reconstructions, for God's sake. I mean, he's not a, he's not a big man, but um, his resilience was, was uh, quite outstanding, quite often overlooked. That's, well, you know, you've touched on a good point there, Smithy, because players that are brilliant to watch and exciting to watch, and, you know, it, we, quite, we quite often forget just the ferocity of the game that he plays in, you know, and, and the, the toughness, not only physical toughness, but the mental toughness, that's required to overcome some of these injuries and go through the rehab time and time again. I mean, you know it yourself. You, you know, you you played your game, and at, and at times, may you, you weren't perfect when you went out there, but you had to go out in case somebody else got your spot. And so you played mm. through pain. You got yourself, you got yourself rehabbed as much as you could, and you went out and played with the pain. And that's what Benji, that's what Benji has had to has had to do. Like like you said, he. Only a slight man, only a slight man, but he had the toughness um, 
and the resilience and, and you, you know, what can you say about the guy? He, he's, um, I just would have loved to have had the pleasure of coaching him. In many ways, I suppose, the fellow who he, he reminds me most of from the era, right, right back in the day when I first coached, say, with the Kiwis, was someone like James Lulawai. James Lulawai, who, who had that flair, who had, you know, he saw something that nobody else could see and he's always willing to have a go at it. And that's, that's Benji. And, and, you know, occasionally that attitude and that, that approach to the game can, can, you can lose, you know, if, if it doesn't go right. But the most of the time you, you win. And I think, it, I think it really highlights an interesting part of sport. And my view is the biggest risk in sport is not to take one. And Benji typified that. Yeah, we're talking, uh, and he farewelled himself from the NRL yesterday, and, and of course that was the major focus uh, because of those 19 years, but one of his great legacies for us is in the Kiwi jersey. Um, what are your memories yeah. of him as, as a Kiwi? And you know, sometimes because the Kiwis don't play as often, that kind of role gets overlooked. certainly does, and, and the pinnacle of your sport is to represent your country. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the highest honour. Sometimes in some sports, it's not given the due credit it, it deserves. And occasionally, you know, I'd say that rugby league has been through that at different times. So, you know, it's, it's up and down and up and down. And uh, it's a bit fashionable, I suppose. But the, the efforts of Benji um, wearing the Kiwi jersey were just, I remember, they're just fantastic. I, I can remember, I can't, I can't remember the exact date, but I remember being interviewed on the radio when Benji first made the Kiwi side, and um, I can't even recall who was the captain back in the day then, but I was asked the question, who should be captain of this Kiwi side? And I said, without any doubt, Benji. Benji, it just sticks out to me. Like, a, you know, it just, I, I could just, he had natural leadership instincts with him. The players gravitated to him. If you get, it, it's a chemistry in teams, isn't it, Smithy? You know, you, you know mm-hmm. if you're in a, in a team group, there's a sort of chemistry where one person has it and, and others gravitate to him. And Benji was that sort of person and is that sort of person that others gravitated to him. So for me, um, he, had, he had leadership and captaincy and follow me written all over it. How do you suggest, or what would you suggest, how New Zealand rewards him? I mean, he can go, he automatically goes into the Sports Hall of Fame, etc. But how, how should New Zealand um, reward Benji Marshall? You know, that's a really good question, Smithy, you know, I haven't got the answer to it, but, uh, you know, I suppose uh, the one thing that Benji, one, one thing that's fortunate for Benji's era, it was played in the era where all the games were televised because, to be honest, there were, we've had a lot of very, very good rugby league players over a lot of time, um, and many of them are unknown because the game never used to be shown on, on, at that level never used to be shown on television here. It was, it was, we'd only get rugby, basically rugby and cricket um, because that's just how it was. But now with the, um, you know, we're bombarded with, with all sport coming at us from all angles. So those memories will be able to be archived forever and easily picked up. But how he should be remembered, um, I, I certainly think he deserves some something that's very special that sits alongside the greater sporting people our country has ever has ever produced because in in his code in the code of, of rugby league we have seen nobody better than benji marshall 
and to consistently do that over a long period of time, um, I just just I think what he's achieved is remarkable. Well, Lowy, um, great tribute there to Benji. Uh, there was a downside for league yesterday, and it's very well publicised. Uh, on the very same day that he walks, uh, strolls for me, or strides into the Hall of Fame, uh, Manu Vadavai heads in the exact opposite direction. What was your reaction to the news that he pled guilty uh, to these charges? Uh, how how gutted were you? Oh, mate, I just... What, what it does, it, it just leaves such a, an emptiness in your heart because, you know, there there's... There's so many people who put up with all sorts of things and to play this particular code um, who've basically given their lives to do it and they did it for nothing year and year out and and when when something like this happens uh, and it's it's done by somebody who's in a privileged place that's been well rewarded financially for what he's done so sure he's a good player but you know when these when these people get involved, um, there's something deeply wrong. There's something very deeply wrong that hasn't been addressed at some stage because at the end of the day, doesn't matter who you are or what you've been involved in, you need to make the decision. You need you need to have the mental skills and the mental... Somebody has been able to, uh, has, has been able to put into your mind so that's there forever. Is this right or is it, is it wrong? There's no other question. There's no other question. And sport, um, if it's delivered properly, properly, should be addressing those. That's why volunteer coaches, Smithy, volunteer coaches mm. are so important in my mind. And I know it's off the subject just a little bit, but volunteer coaches, um, there's a lot, lot of young people who slip through the cracks education-wise for whatever reason. They're young, 10 or 11 or 12, 13 or 8-year, 9-year-olds, Little Billy and Mary, they're not quite hearing what the teachers are saying. It's not gelling with them. And and unfortunately, some of them aren't getting the right messaging at home either. For whatever reason, I don't know. And yet every Tuesday and Thursday, all around our country, at 6 o'clock usually, which is the common time for practice, little Billy and Mary, Mary's down there with the netball coach. And the netball coach has got little Mary in the palm of her hand for 20 minutes or half an hour. And the and that player, little Mary, hears and listens and believes what the coaches said for the rest of her life, and that's why volunteer coaches have such a powerful and important, a critical role to play in the tapestry forever of sport and society. They can they are volunteer coaches not only not only help with the sport, they're in a position to deliver social messaging messaging as well, and that's where it's all got to start. Yesterday's episode with with Vatabai is nothing. It's just it's heartbreaking, and it, and it it's left a hollow feeling for me in the game. See, for me, uh, and there's a point I think that has to be stressed here. This is not rugby league's fault. I mean, uh, this is not a rugby league issue. This has come post rugby league, and, and I, I think a lot of people are, are associating this with the game, and that should not be, should it? No, no, no way in the world, but. But what, what the point that I'm trying to make, Smithy, is the game, and not only rugby league, but all because these social issues do affect all walks of society. And that's, what, that's why I'm saying that volunteer coaches are in such a... They're the most underrated people in sport in this country. 
volunteer coaches should be getting looked after far better than what they are, should be su- supported much better than what they are. And, and in fact, next year, I'd like to be able to announce with you something that, something special we've been working on for a few years but to address just this, because I think volunteers are in a position every night at practice with little Billy and Mary to the, deliver not only that, not only the how to play the game and enjoy the game and all that, but some simple little coaching messages about these things are right, these things are not right. It's as simple as that. So because the messaging is obviously, in society, it's obviously not hitting the spot with everybody, and that's a problem. Mm. Loie, as always, uh, so pleased you're, you're able to make yourself available to us this morning. I can't think of anyone better um, uh, served to, to pay tribute to Benji in that regard and interesting thoughts too about the Avadavai situation. As always, mate, golden stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much, Smithy. I look forward to, to catching up and I've got an idea that you could owe me a drink. I think you're probably right. I think that's probably a good idea, mate. Uh, and I'll pay it to you in leaps and bounds. Uh, 10.18 here on SENZ. Uh, we've got a panel coming up very shortly with uh, those issues to talk about, plus a few more, I imagine. of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. The panel today is Lavina Good, of course, and Ross Carl. Uh, and uh, really some diverse things to talk about, good and bad. Shall we start with the good this morning? And we'll start with you, Lavina, with uh, Benji Marshall's retirement yesterday from the NRL. Uh, just a quick a quick memory for, about Benji from you. I love Benji. Honestly, one of the guys. I've always been a massive fan of him. I love what he's brought to the game of rugby league. You know, this kid from Fakatani did so well to, to break it in the big league in Australia. And the one thing that resonates with me when I think of Benji Marshall, Smitty, is the fact that he comes with integrity and he plays with passion and pride. So he's a fine representative of rugby league and he deserves every accolade he could possibly get from every rugby league fan. Yep, very well summed up and and, uh, very short time. I think everyone agrees with you on that. Ross, um, you're in charge of a lot of programming at Sky particularly. Uh, podcasts and things of that nature. I just wonder, is there one coming up with In Benji's League, hosted by Benji Marshall? Have you got one of those coming up shortly? <laughs> He's a great talent on TV, and he has been ever since he started. I suppose that's one of the things about Benji, isn't it? His confidence, um, his charisma. Uh, you know, I got him on the footy show. He got him involved in Channel 9 really, really quickly. And yeah, I'd love to get him involved in something with us. <laughs> It would be brilliant uh, having alongside Adam Blair talking rugby league. But, you know, when I think of Benji, I think of him kind of like Carlos Spencer in that maybe he's not the greatest player of all time, but he's one of the most influential players of all time. You know, when you think about the things he did, you know, that flick pass. Nowadays, you see flick passes like that every week. And it's because this young kid from Fakatane went out and said, I'm going to do what I do in the backyard and then our outfield. And people hadn't really seen it happen like that before. Um, you know, but he had his struggles as well. And I suppose it's one of the interesting parts of, as opposed to the canonization of a player when they retire after such a long career, everyone looks back probably at mostly the great things and, and a, a very quick to throw out the word goat. But, you know, the bench had his struggles too. You know, that initial separation from the Tigers was pretty tough for him. Then there was the rugby stint. 
He went to Brisbane when he went back to the league and he could barely play. And then even his recent stint at the Tigers, he was really struggling to make the first team, you know. So I suppose one of the other enduring things about Benji is that he's a survivor. Somehow he continued through all of those things and managed to get over 300 first-grade games. Maybe not the greatest player of all time, but certainly one of the most influential. Yeah, well, Lavina, Graham, we just had Sir Graham Lowe on. He said... Uh, in his mind, the greatest ever uh, rugby league player in New Zealand. Uh, where do, does he rate that highly for you? I rate him up there, definitely, among some of the best, you know, with, with Stacey and, and a few others. Um, but I, I just, like I said before, the, the integrity side of things, rugby league has, you know, been questioned in terms of, of its in, integral value of late. And I just think of, of Benji, and I, I think of wonderful things about him. And I'm not talking about the goose step or the past in 2005. It's beyond that. It's what... The passion when he wears the the um, national jersey and how much that means to him, and he's not afraid to cry and let people know that it's such a momentous occasion for him. But I, I think you know the Warriors, the way they've been um, lately in terms of looking for ambassadors and people to represent them. Someone should get on the old dog and bone and talk to Benji and say, "Hey, you might be hanging up the boots on the paddock. If you want to talk about a cultural job or a job where you can build team confidence, then the Warriors should certainly be pouring out some money for him because." He's got a lot to offer the game, even though the goose step might have gone and things have slowed down a bit. I think in terms of what he can bring to the game, he'd be a great ambassador for the Warriors. So I'm hoping that conversation might be taking place. Let's hope so anyway. Well, Lavina, let's look at the other side of uh, what happened yesterday. And uh, that came first. Thank God Benji came after this. Uh, because the Manu Vatavai realisation that he is guilty, he has admitted it. Um, he's fighting, facing the prospect of some jail time. Um, how does uh, how did the, you you react to this news? Were you, were you gutted? Were you sick? Were you surprised? Were you angry? Uh, I mean, any emotion? Yeah, heart wrenching for me. I've interviewed Manu for many many years. I've always held him in high regard and found him to be the the loveliest man. Um, the the rumour mill started to me a couple of months ago. Once we started hearing about the accusations and. And then the whispers come out and, and there's a few, a few people that decided to pop out and say some home truth. So I guess in the media side of things, we started waking up a bit. But in terms of um, Manu Vatuve coming out and announcing that he is guilty, the thing that gets me is that, I mean, any drug is a bad drug. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, methamphetamine and tea is the scourge on our community, our society. I, in fact, started an um, anti-pee campaign for teenagers to empower them to say no to when they go to a party and come across pee because it's that bad in our community. And that campaign was called Pee Not Once. And I just don't tolerate anyone that can have anything to do with importing that drug because it's not just destroying young kids' lives, it's destroying communities, it's destroying poor communities, it's destroying people that are healthy and it's killing people. So I'm not going to lie, I'm really, really, really disappointed. My heart's been broken uh, by Manu Vatuve, and I will no longer hold him in high regard. And it's a shame. It's a shame because he is one of the greats when it comes to rugby league. But now he can face the consequences of his actions. You live by the sword and you die by the sword, and that sword is very, very sharp for Manu at the moment. And for you, Ross? Uh, it's really sad, isn't it, when you look at what's happened with Manu this week, what we've seen with Rhys Walsh, what we've seen with Cameron Munster and the Storm players, it's very obvious that drugs are highly aligned with young professional athletes at the moment, um, particularly in rugby league, obviously. And the decision-making and the influence it's had over these young men 
um, you just wonder. I know clubs try really hard with the culture, but boy, there's obviously some work to be done. And um, you know, you hear stuff about the development of men's brain, you know, and they're not fully developed for decision making until in their twenties. And I certainly know that I made my biggest mistakes in my twenties on alcohol. And these kids are probably, you know, doing that on drugs, which is probably making things even worse for them and, and they're so empowered to get these kind of things because they've got these connections from being famous and it's just a real worry for rugby league that we've had so many of these things come out now and, and it really needs to be fixed. Okay, uh, folks, if you'll stay with us just uh, for the news break because uh, another couple of issues, uh, another league one for you, Lavina, in particular. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk to me, yeah. And the panel this morning is uh, Ross, Carl, and Lavina Good. And Lavina, uh, Reese Walsh, mentoring uh, of Reese Walsh. I understand it's uh, going to be done partly by Gordon Tallis, anyway. Yeah, I heard about that. Why not get? Why not give a nineteen-year-old kid that's troubled at the moment and being exposed in Australian media? Why don't you get him um, mentored by a guy that's retired that was an absolute thug on the footy field and spent most of his time trying to choke players and take them out on the sideline? I just don't know what's happening with the Warriors at the moment. There's plenty of people that could mentor Reese Walsh. And if this is a, an attempt by the Warriors just to say, hey, we're doing something in terms of his rehabilitation, I'm not sure if it was the right choice. I don't think Gordon Tallis is the right one. There's, there's plenty of Kiwis that could do the job. Remember, he does play for the Warriors. I could see someone like Simon Mannering or Arwen Boutenville or someone come up to him and, and tell him that that's not the sort of thing that you need to do, mate, if you want to play as a warrior. I mean, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take the kid on. In fact, open up the borders and give him to me because I'll tell you what I'll do with Reese Walsh. I'll make him vacuum my floor, fold the washing, clean the toilet and have a sense of responsibility and then I'll sit him down at dinner with my whanau and I'll get him to explain to my 14-year-old son that plays rugby league occasionally and absolutely idolises this kid and tell him, why did you take cocaine? Why don't you do that, Reese? That's a way of mentoring you. I don't know what Gordon Tallis is going to bring to the party, but this kid needs a little bit of levelling. He needs a bit of purpose and direction. And if he is going to remain at the Warriors, he needs guidance. And I don't know if Gordon Tallis is the one to guide him. Yeah, very valid point, actually. I, I get where you're coming from there. And uh, I'd pay his airfares to see him sit around your dinner table. I promise you that. Uh, Ross, <laughs> here's, uh, here's one for you, Ross. Uh, the NPC, and it looks now, uh, for all intents and purposes, we read a story earlier that um, the Auckland teams have uh, have all but given up uh, on rejoining the comp. Yeah, it's pretty sad, but I suppose there's not a lot that can be done about it. Um, I've heard rumours about the possibility of an Auckland comp um, happening um, up here and behind closed doors, I suppose, but... What can you do in this situation, really? The government's decided not to give them any exemptions and, you know, with the way that COVID spread down into Waikato and, and now through, you know, through Hamilton and out to, you know, some of the other places in and around the country out there, Carthia, et cetera, you can see why they wouldn't want teams coming in and out willy-nilly um, because it's, you know, it's a real problem for us now. This virus is about to get around the country. Um, and, you know, we've managed to contain it until now. The government needs to be super safe on this. So I can understand why the decision's made, but, you know, for for all of those players, I know uh, Bryn Hall's a guy I work with closely, and he's absolutely gutted that he's not being able to play rugby. He's having to sit back and watch and, and, and not get into it. And, and those guys have got their dreams. They've also got their careers. Um, you know, so many of these players within the, um, the Bunnings NPC 
are part-time rugby players and they've got jobs and they're trying to do rugby on the side, etc. And it's really difficult in these unions, especially, you know, when I think of the unions in Auckland, probably counties more than anyone else, they don't have much money, you know, and, and if they don't get ticket sales and they don't get a little take of cash, come next year they're going to be in all sorts of trouble, you know. Provincial rugby is a really hard place to survive and unfortunately COVID's having its effect and, and unfortunately the Auckland teams are the ones that are feeling it the most. If it's heading south, uh, Lavina, and it certainly looks like if, it, if you look at the map and the way it's uh, starting to creep down, where does it leave uh, the, the rest of us? Are we, we going to enter into the same sort of zone as Auckland and, and all sport be knocked on the head? I mean, is, is there an end to this, or are we just going to have to just plough on ahead and, uh, and hope? Yeah, no, it feels like there's not an end to it. Eh? It kind of feels as though that's the direction we're going in. I guess we have to um, follow the footsteps of what's what's right and what's going to benefit everyone. But I know what you mean, Smitty. It kind of feels like when will it end? You know, where do we accept it or mm. do we try and make changes? It's a real tough one, I think, and especially for the provinces and the regions, it's really, really tough to have to have to face what the future is at the moment. It's um, it's a tricky one, a real tricky one. Uh, in terms of um, what we can watch this weekend, uh, Lavina is uh, the Silver Ferns uh, against the men. Now this is. It's not the first occasion they've played each other, but it's quite a unique thing in sport, isn't it? Um, yeah. How do you see the importance the importance of this to the Silver Ferns in particular? Yeah, not, not so much importance. I don't know how much it is in regards to importance. I mean, an international fixture, Ross will tell you, is a lot more important, obviously, than playing um, a New Zealand men's team. But there, there's a fair bit of hype around it. I know more people that are talking about this, in fact, than, than they were in regards to the, the test series against England, which I found the last two games really, really scintillating and, and great netball action. So um, it's another opportunity for the television broadcasters to make money, obviously, to put it on the box, which is good, and it might generate a bit of interest. And also it's good to, to see um, parity. I think over the years we've come to terms with the fact that women play rugby. There was a time 15 years ago when no one would watch them, and now they're the superstars of the sport. And I think it's, it's pretty cool to see that, that men play netball as well. So there'll be a fair bit of interest. I know I'll be watching, for sure. Um, mm. And I know for Noel and Todor, it's really about fitness for this one as well, to see how, how conditioned the players are. Because these, these men are good, they're fast, and they're very, very tall. <laughs> they are. Um, and, and they're very, very athletic. And uh, I guess uh, whilst they, uh, if it's a game that you can't be too physical, uh, Ross, uh, their physical presence... Uh, will be pretty daunting uh, up against um, some of those uh, those young ladies. So uh, that should rate pretty well for Sky, shouldn't it? Yeah, I would have thought so. I think that the last couple of years, especially with that very tall shooter whose name um, passes me by right now, you know, there's been some real talking points that people really want to tune in and see and, and, and have a look at. So it's also a quite different style. I'm no netball expert, but the men appear to be a little looser. Um, they're a bit more Benji Marshall than they are Scott Prince in the way that they approach the game, you know? So I, I kind of like, I, 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 it makes for an interesting watch, you know? Okay, uh, just finally, uh, Lavina, will you be, would you be, it's on Sky Sports 3, Sam Kane playing for King Country. That's probably one of the biggest bits of news of the week. Everyone's talking about it. It's the talk of the town. It's, um, everyone's talking about that more than what they did Renee Ranger beating Waikato a week ago. And uh, he sold the limelight <laughs> for quite some time. So um, he's actually one of my very, very favourite players. I was quite happy for the Ranger. That was all, all good. But, yeah, everyone here in the Bay Plenty is talking about it. Sam Kane, one of their babies, the one and only. It's uh, a talk of town. It's quite nice to share the plays around. I think 
you know, um, there's a lot of player loyalty and club loyalty with so many players. But then again, if there's an opportunity to play for another province and, and try and take their rugby field and expertise to the next level, I think it's a good thing. So, yeah, who would have thought, eh? I wouldn't have guessed that one. No way would I have guessed that one. I wouldn't have guessed that Reese Walsh would have been caught with cocaine either. <laughs> I know no. nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know enough for us. It's been great to having you on uh, uh, this morning to Levina. Thanks again. And for you, Ross, I guess every day is a new day and an interesting one for you because everything that's uh, put off or curtailed in terms of coverage on Sky you have to try and fill the hole somehow, so never-ending at the moment. Well, that's uh, for me and then probably Marcus Kennedy, who's, uh, who runs the live sports side more than me. Um, constantly reacting, you know, after the announcement that we weren't going to go to Level 2 on Monday, changing the way that we're doing things, you know, things like getting you into Auckland to do our Cricket World Cup coverage coming up in the 2020s just becomes a little bit more difficult for us, you know. Everything's just... A little bit more taxing, but we're getting some programming out. We're getting some stuff on board. And one of the great things for Sky, and I know this is a, a silver lining for something that's really horrible, is that when people are at home, they're watching their telly. And so, you know, a lot of people are tuning in to the NRL Grand Final and watching the domestic rugby. And we've obviously got the, um, the big Farrah Cup Final this weekend, hoping to see maybe Waikato knock over those Cantabrians. You know, those kind of things are getting good viewership. So... In a lot of ways, the Sky, um, we're doing we're doing a right out of it, even though it's really hard to get so much of our coverage across the line. Okay, thanks very much, Ross. Uh, appreciate your thoughts this morning, and to you, uh, Lavina, as well. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, round two of uh, you and Gordon Tallis uh, with a little bit of Reese Walsh chucked in the middle. Thank you very I, much. I don't think he's going. Um, she's not going to come to my house for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, no, maybe not. Maybe, but uh, you know, every, I mean, even even Bryson DeChambeau is going to play golf with Brooks Koepka. You, you have to make up at some point. Yeah, true. That's true. But you can come, though, Smitty. You and I will have a good old quarter yeah. or easy peasy, mate. Easy peasy. We we certainly will, Levine. And when I'm in the bay, I certainly will look forward to it. Levine, Good and Ross Carr this morning. They were the panel. Ten forty-two here on SENZ. A lot of text to read out shortly as well on a number of issues. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.47 here. I never, I can't get my head around this uh, latest story about these uh, rooms being trashed at the Jet Park, uh, this MIQ quarantine facility. Uh, absolutely wrecked, ransacked. Uh, what are we doing in here in this MIQ system? Why are we letting these people into the country? Why aren't we vetting there are lots of really good, genuine New Zealand people uh, trying to get back into this country on a daily basis. And I'm not just talking sporting people, in all walks of life, some great people. Why do we have to let these thugs in, these thugs in to abuse the privilege, smash up the facilities that other people can't use them, then jump over the fence and run away and hide uh, until you're caught by the police trying to escape? What is that? Good God, what is that? Anyway. Uh, Manavada Vice scored 10 RL tries in 10 consecutive seasons as per Andrew Voss, which is a record nobody has. I feel sorry for his five daughters and his wife. Received bad advice while on the big money and never started a career path while playing. All players should be doing some sort of training, learning outside league while playing. Steve Price completed a degree. Simon Mannering is on in the building industry. Professional players who make far less money in other sports have more balance. Money can be the root of all evil. Very deep and meaningful, uh, Jordan. Uh, I like that text. I never understand uh, or understood why sports people should be role models. 
uh, you can appreciate what they do in sport. But if you want role models for life, that will be someone closer to home. Surely that's from Chris. That's uh, an interesting thought as well. Full respect to uh, Lavina, said Steve. Her comments about uh, Manu were spot on. No tolerance. No tolerance as far as Steve is concerned. Uh, we look uh, further down the list there. Uh, Smithy says, Ken, sad day for rugby with Auckland-based sides uh, getting refused an exemption yet again to join. Can't believe this is just not right. Um, for uh, a lot of people, uh, another one here actually in uh, as well, Benji Marshall's greatest moment for New Zealand was his 2010 Four Nations final. New Zealand were two points down in the 78th minute. He ran the ball on the fifth tackle 65 metres away and handed the ball twice or handled the ball twice for Nathan Fien to score in the 79th minute to win the Four Nations Championship. They won a Tri-Nations in 2005, uh, a World Cup in 2008, a Four Nations in 2010 with Benji Marshall. And you never heard any Mad Monday issues with Benji's. Uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely right, absolutely right. Uh, completely uh, another issue uh, cricket here. Hey, Smithy, just watching uh, yes, uh, the Sunrisers versus uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore replay with sound down while listening. Great to see uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad win. You think Kane has the wood over Vrat. Hope that goes well for the T20 World Cup. Cheers, John. <coughs> and that is, um, that's interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. So um, I've just been put right. The, the damage at Jet Park is by local people sent there after testing positive. Well, that makes it even worse, but... Um, can't we send these people somewhere else? God. And they're using up these rooms. Surely they are rooms designated for people coming back as well. Why the hell uh, you know, do we send them there knowing what their background is? Uh, so anyway, uh, a lot of the, a lot of candidates are coming in today on the text of uh, the week, courtesy of Temper. Uh, you can win the pillow worth 299 bucks. We'll make a call on that tomorrow. Uh, the best text of the month, of course, uh, towards the end of the month, we'll tell you who's won that including a $10,000 package with mattresses, bed, bases, pillows, and that all thrown in absolute value. Uh, very shortly, uh, Louis Herman Watt on uh, racing issues uh, and our visit, our regular daily visit to Paul Mawati at the TAB. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Louis Herman Watt joins us today on a day where they're racing at Awapuni um, and uh, they have a track which uh, I'm led to believe is heavy, a heavy 10, which is uh, pretty much the order of the day at the moment, unfortunately, and I can't go past number one in race one. Uh, Louis, so there you go. What have you got for us? Oh, interesting. Ian's legacy. Sure. Okay, yep, that, that, that's right. I mean, it, obviously, you've left a huge legacy, Smithy. Um, you know, that famous knock at Eden Park, a great broadcasting career, some wonderful sons. Um, yeah, no, fair enough, man. I have to agree <laughs> with you there. Um, don't, don't, go over the top. don't go over the top on the boys. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, they've got a bit of work to do. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're under, they're under a ride, aren't they? Um, look, it's a TV today at Awapuni. It's, it's, it looks like a classic midweek meet, meet at Awapuni where you, sh- you probably should know better on a Thursday than to get out there and have a punt because you want to save your paycheck for the, the weekend with maybe some better tracks and some more frontline horses. But I can feel it coming. I bet Heidi Bell both starts as preparations for me. 
and it hasn't got me paid yet in race four. This is Peter Didham. Um, look, fourth and a seventh, and today the cash is on. $7 at touch, $5.50, into, but it's $6 now. Robbie Hannum is doing the riding. Yes, young Robbie Hannum is back. Well, he's not young anymore, is he? But he's had a huge injury layoff. So that would be such a great return for Robert Hannum if he could get up in race number four, Alpuni. But look, it looks a tough day to punt, if I'm being blatantly honest. This weekend, though, Smithy, boy, we've got some good racing, mate. We've got some good racing at Harwater. We've got the Taranaki Breeders, the Taranaki Breeders. But also, across the ditch, it's kind of D-Day for a couple of horses. Not necessarily D-Day, but moving day for the Tiaka runners. Sword of State goes up against the, the nice um, the nice three-year-olds, Borlelli, and has to go well from Barrier 3. Um, second up, and Amaralina from Barrier 13 with J-Mac. A tricky barrier second up. This will tell us whether this horse is good enough to go on to the Golden Eagle, of course, New Zealand Oaks winner from last year. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, in my 64 years on this planet, I have never met anyone in this country who knows more, knew, knows more about uh, American sport across the board than one Nathan Rarity. I mean, that, that makes me really happy that he's uh, joined us on the show this morning uh, to talk uh, about baseball in particular, um, but first of all, uh, Nathan, where did you where did you get this love of American sport, which uh, makes you look at it so deeply? Um, I first, uh, oh, by the way, morning, Smitty. How are you, brother? Good to hear your voice. I um, I always found it a bit fascinating as a kid because I think I saw a documentary with a Welsh bloke who did. He was a uh, like a, a songwriter. And he did a documentary where he went to the Dallas Cowboys and he was hoping to get to play. And it was like, you know, a little Welshman learns about American football and goes over there. And I remember thinking, well, that looks cool. And then I remember being a little boy and seeing these guys with these amazing names like Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But it was when I went to live overseas and lived in Calgary. And one of the um, families that I lived with was um, part of the ownership group for uh, one of the NHL teams that was there. And they also had a really different approach to things like PE at um, schools in um, in Calgary. Sorry, someone's trying to ring me. They had a really different approach at our school, Smithy. So we had an entire gym under the school. And I remember my teacher from Hastings Boys coming over on a sabbatical and we showed him around the Sir Winston Churchill campus and we had a look at the gymnasium downstairs and stuff. And, and I remember our teacher going, wow, this is great. And he said, well, it's a proper job here. It's a real career path. And, you know, some people are smart enough to be lawyers and buy their house. You go, see that large kid over there picking up that, those weights? And he said, yeah, goes, that's James. And James's best hope of buying a house is blocking the quarterback. So this is what we do. So I think it was always, yes, for me, I've always enjoyed mm. the, I like the bigness of it. And I like the thoroughness of it. Um, in, in itself. So, and I just, I, they package their sport so well when you go to games. That's why my wife and I fell in love with the Dodgers. Yeah, okay, let's talk about the Dodgers, shall we? Uh, I suppose um, uh, when you, you tune in today and you're glued to this match against the wildcard game against the Lewis Cardinals, will, will it be traditional hot dogs or bacon, burger, hot dog, bacon, burger, anything? Hot dogs. I've got the hot dogs ready to go. Um, so I went over and bought those yesterday. So I've got the buns, made sure I've got the right mustard. Today I'm wearing Jackie. 
So I have uh, three Dodgers hats. I've got the LA ones today. I'm going with my Jackie Robinson one, which is when it was the Brooklyn Dodgers. So that's the one with the white B on it. So I'm wearing Jackie today. I'm going to go with my Kingley Jensen hoodie today. He's our uh, basically uh, the equivalent of cricket's closer. He's our, our closing pitcher. So I've gone with... Um, I'll be wearing that today, and Kelly is, has also got her LA Dodgers uh, hat left set to go, and we will force the kids to watch at least the first three innings with it. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Okay, uh, the joy of lockdown and dominating the remote. I love it. Uh, right, let's look at uh, this, <laughs> this, this matchup today. Wainwright, Adam Wainwright on the mound for uh, St. Louis, and you've got Max Scherzer on, on board for, for you, the Dodgers. How do you see this uh, pitching clash because they're the number ones in each of the franchises aren't they yeah they are and like Wainwright is about a zillion years old and he's really tall he's like um I think it's about he's like a similar size to uh like an old Isaac Ross you know that tall and that sort of build and he biffs real hard and but Max Schertzer who we got right at the trade deadline because obviously the if you know if people listening know anything about baseball a little bit slightly, you might have heard of Clayton Kershaw, who's always been the, you know, basically the Trent Bolt of the Dodgers uh, pitching lineup. but he's gone. Uh, he's he's injured and he's probably not going to be in the rest of the playoffs. We've lost a few pitches there. So Max Scherzer was at Washington. He throws hard. I think, I think, really, I think we've, we will have a, we will have a slight, um, uh, what do you call it, advantage in, in the pitching because I, know, I think our bullpen is going pretty strong. Um, so really what we need is is hopefully, as a Dodgers fan, you just you just really want Schertz to get through those first three or four innings without, you know, without one of those disaster innings there. But the, the thing is, like, the, the Cardinals are red hot. They've, I think, they've won about, like, 16, 17 games in a row. Um, the last two times we played them in the playoffs, like, if the Dodgers are my all black, those guys were the French quarterfinal every time going through the playoffs. A um, couple of times we've played them, so they've knocked us out there. Um, and we, we've dropped, I mean, like we've lost our, our big hitter at first base. We've lost Mac Munt, uh, Max Muncy, so he's injured. We're bringing in Ballinger, who last year looked incredible, and this year couldn't hit anything. He, he's awful. Um, so matchup-wise, I do like Schertzer as the starting pitcher just ahead. Um, but I'm... I don't, I'm really unsure about this money. I see. I just checked the odds before. I, I think the Dodgers are the favourites going into this, but the like it, you, you know what it's like. Eh? Those momentum teams that arrive at a playoff. Mm. I mean, we've won a huge amount of games to get here. The weird thing is, is your mate John Day's bloody Giants was somehow even better than us. I can't believe we won over 100 games and we're still not the top team in the division. <laughs> Look, you know, and the nature of these games too. That these are brutal. I mean, you get to the World yeah. Series, you know, it's the best of seven. Uh, you get to the playoffs, it's the best of five or the best of seven. You don't get yeah. past this, you're gone. It's a one-off after all those games you just talked about. It's a one-off. And, uh, I mean, to, what does it mean to the players in, in terms of build-up for this, knowing there's no second chance? Because in baseball, that's quite a rare thing. It is, yeah, and it's, it's been weird for, it's rare for, for this Dodgers team. Um, certainly in that because I think we've made the playoffs now for about a decade in a row so it's, it's a really really long run so at least there's that like the the, the large crowd that's showing up today because I just checked the weather before and the weather looks real nice uh, it's going to be about 18 to 19 degrees when they start so the California weather's holding up pretty good there's no rain around or anything like that so you've got a sell out Dodger Stadium and Chavez Ravine to go to is just a beautiful stadium. So it kind of reminds me of going to Athletic Park 
it's old mm. and it's painted that kind of light blue colour like Athletic Park used to be, like it's the original um, stadium that they moved to, but they quite embrace that and like it. So the Dodgers are a real dominating team in LA. Like when, you, when you're when you around there driving around, I thought it would just be all Lakers all the time, but you probably see more Dodgers gear. You probably see more affinity with the Dodgers than you do even with the Lakers and USC, the, the college football team that's here. So they will have pressure, but, you know, Corey Seager, been there before. Justin Turner's been there before. Mookie Betts is, you know, uh, an absolute gun whenever it comes to playoffs. So at least they've got that. They know the expectation. They know that they feel like they're LA's team, but it's a cruel way to go. I mean, we saw it yesterday with, with, um, with the Yankees. You know, Aaron Judge, who's been amazing all year, ran that last base just slightly wide and then he's he's tagged out at home, you know, and that could have been the difference of a three all game and I think it ended up at three one at that stage. So so I will be sitting on the edge of my seat the whole way through this. Dodgers yeah, Dodgers one forty one, heavy favourites. Cardinals two dollars eighty. Really? So um yeah, that's the local market in New Zealand at the moment and that will reflect I would imagine somewhat on what uh, they're thinking about in the sports lines over there in the, the US yeah. as well. Uh, getting past this, say the Dodgers will be optimistic here. The Dodgers do get past this. Um, how do you yeah. see who's the biggest at the moment? Your biggest chance to be the World Series champion this year on what you've seen so far. I, I feel like a dick saying this, but <laughs> I think if we get through, uh, the Dodgers look incredibly good. Um, I think the Red Sox might have. Um, I mean, like, they won a lot of games, won 92. Like, there's no bad teams left. But just when you have a look around at depth and stuff, the real, the really good pick of the Tampa Bay Rays, because they're just solid the whole way through. Like, they're really, really solid. There's nowhere you look and you go there weak. So it's not like you, they go in and go, oh, we've got these three absolute guns, and then the three absolute guns fall over. You know, like, you, they won't fall over. So they're, uh, they're one of those, you know, for want of a better term, they're one of those teams you have to beat to get in. So I think the Rays have, have got a, a pretty massive shot. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers as well, they, they've, been, they've been particularly impressive. But I really, I do want the Dodgers. I think they're going pretty well. I mean, the other team there that I haven't mentioned, of course, is the San Francisco Giants, who dismantled their team. Um, and they sent a bunch of them away at the end of last year. Yet, um, they, we won 106 games this year. They won 107. Um, so they've got it. You know, and the star of the division this year was supposed to be San Diego. So the, the Giants have definitely got something going on. But it, I like us. If we can get through a one-off, I, I don't know how many teams can beat us in a series. Okay, so um, that's the baseball side of things. A little touch on American sport. And I know uh, you absolutely, being uh, spending a time in Calgary, uh, are very passionate too about uh, ice hockey. Yeah, the old punch face. That's um, <laughs> got, got back in there again. And so, so I saw the pre-season um, firing up there as well. So they've got, obviously, um, it's actually been quite interesting from my point of view of reading it because this is um, the reality of opening back up with sport, right? And the reality of um, uh, opening back up under COVID. So they've got their pre-season games uh, going around at the moment. And when, uh, when the world's back open again and if you get to go and travel if you're anywhere and you can see a pre-season ice hockey game it is it is like nothing else you've seen Smithy because you know those guys hit each other hard and if they want to shape up they actually do but remember everyone's auditioning to try and make it to the big leagues in the pre-season and you'll have those guys that come in who are just you know like on the edge of the um, squad and those are usually the goons 
So um, those guys <laughs> come in. So if you like your old state of origin highlights, you know, with guys thumping each other, that that's actually really good to watch with that at the moment. So um, yeah, Calgary are awful. We've been awful for a, for decades now. In fact, most of my teams are awful, which is why it's quite been quite nice watching the Dodgers. Um, Nathan, before we let you go, um, and we did, I haven't warned you about this, uh, I'm not sure John has either, but I really like, uh, uh, from your point of view, uh, a, a couple of views on a couple of issues that reared their ugly and beautiful head yesterday. Uh, first of all, Manu, um, you, uh, I, I guess like in the media, you had a, a fair chance uh, that, that this was going to come to a head at some point like this, but w- were yeah. you shocked in the way it did? Um, I was shocked when I found out about it a, a few months um, last year. I was saddened by the fact that someone who has earned so much money um, through their career just couldn't shake um, the attachment to this kind of lifestyle. Um, it's That's the sadness in it for me. But importing that sh- stuff, sorry, I caught myself, that's evil. Like that, that stuff that he was bringing in, that is killing people. It's ruining families. It's ruining, you know, um, communities and stuff. Like that, that rips through communities very much like the COVID thing we're dealing with. And to, to think, you know, like uh, obviously along the way, he must have had plenty of times where he had advice from, from clubs, from agent, from manager, from other things like that. And to come to the end of your situation where you've, you know, like that, that lifestyle you lived, um, and then it's gone. It's got to be hard, Smitty, because I'm thinking there as well. Mm. For Manu, it's, he kind of went through a couple of things. He goes through loss of income and loss of identity all in one go. Mm. So unfortunately, mm. I think one of the things is when you come from, you know, let's just say a, a, a rougher beginning and then you've got money, not having money again after that is a really, really hard adjustment. So I think that's the sadness of it for me. It's becoming another one of those stories where, you know, the ex-athlete who's trying to live that old lifestyle or that old kind of income and tries it in a legal way. But I can't feel sorry for him getting it for importing this stuff because this it's a it's a it's a blight on on the world at the moment, Smithy that mess. Yeah, um I absolutely agree with you on that. And uh I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna agree with you on uh, your sentiments about Benji finally uh, saying goodbye to the NRL after so long. I mean more than half his lifespan he's played there. Yeah. Yeah, and cool. And and I think that um, you know how kids like the little guy. Kids always like like halfbacks, don't they? They always like halfbacks, or they always like you know a hooker or a standoff if they're watching league or something like that. And what a perfect player to really appeal to little kids to bring them in as well, because he did the things where like yeah, we can all run up and down the field like robots because the coaches tell us to. But there's something nice about the fact of a guy who looks like he does that, and every now and then has just got such a great read on something. He goes, actually, no, no, I'm going to do something different and switching it up, here I go. You know, and he's been involved in sort of some of the greatest moments. I mean, like, when you get people running around down at a park with a ball and someone does a sidestep and calls out your name, like, oh, yeah, Benji Marshall, then that's pretty cool. Mm. You know what I mean? So he's, has, mm. uh, I can't remember anything scandally about him on the way through him, and unfortunately his, his go at rugby didn't work out for him, but everything in league he's touched has turned to gold. So bravo to him. Like, hats off. What a, what a, what a brilliant player. Nathan Rarari, uh, fantastic. Invaluable thoughts um, on the local issues, but um, on American sport. You're my go-to guy, and uh, I love it. I love hearing your knowledge about it. And, folks, you can hear uh, Nathan Rarari uh, anytime, uh, 5 a.m., 
first up on Radio yeah. New Zealand, and that is an answer to a text we had uh, coming in to say, can you ask Nate what he's been up to post-radio sports? So that's it. Eating. <laughs> yeah. Eating as well. Hey, my thoughts with you, yeah. um, my thoughts with the, the Rarity family today and your Dodgers. I hope it goes well and the mood is good it's over good. dinner tonight. Yes, good luck. As the, Thanks, uh, the very large Mexican population say, Viva Los Doyas. Viva Los Doyas. Here we go. <laughs> and there are no, and apparently there's no moustaches in Mexico either, so there you go. Um, uh, I don't know why I said that. 11.18 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will have some more of your texts and your reaction to what's going on in the world of sport. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Stump Smithy around 11.30. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Get Nasser on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SENZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. So every Thursday, every Thursday each show will have 50 bucks the place on a harness race uh, that's throughout the day across uh, all of our shows. Any winning to be given to the charity of our choice and ours uh, for this morning's show is the Women's Refuge. Uh, credit uh, should be given here to New Zealand Harness Racing. Living the dream, get involved there. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Uh, so tomorrow night, John, uh, we have been advised to take Alexandra, race, Alexandra Park Race to. Uh, horse number 11, Louis LeBeau. Uh, Louis LeBeau uh, will be driven by Andrew Drake, trained by Ray Green. It's had two starts form of seventh and a fourth. So uh, don't know a heck of a lot about it. I'm taking guidance on this. Uh, the guidance has been pretty close to the mark each time, so uh, we'll keep that one, I think. So that's Louis LeBeau for us tomorrow night, Alexandra Park, race two. Horse number 11. Yep, the comment uh, on Louis Lebeau, yep. Smithy. I, Sorry, uh, the comment yep. on him is luckless on debut, then sound fourth, second up, 24th of September. Combos hope with a toe into it. Um, I don't know what that last bit means. I always need you to just fill me in on what this sort of stuff means. Well, I think it means it's going to start off the back line. It's uh, number three uh, on the second line as they line up. So he's, he's going to need a bit of luck again uh, getting towed into the race and, get, in other words, getting a trail into the race. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's the style of racing. I always, the word luck, luckless and things, uh, is too close to the harness racing industry for me. Quite often that, it, it's too apparent, don't like that. However, uh, what I do like are the texts that are coming in uh, from my old mate Pac-Man who says, uh, hey, Smithy, irrespective of how Sam Kane plays this weekend and even though... Uh, he was the all-back captain prior to getting injured. I just cannot see him getting back to a, a level of form that betters Artie, Dalton, Ethan, Akira, Luke, Hoskins, or Shannon, for that matter. How does he get back in amongst those and then hold his spot for two years? It must be a huge quandary for the coaching staff trying to plan and include Sam Kane as our captain, or even in the squad for two years till the 2023 World Cup. He may prove to be a liability, I think we might be best with Sam Whitelock as our captain going forward. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And uh, yeah, I, I guess there are, are some little signs there, just the odd little sign that they don't want to rush him back into the job. They might have seen something in someone else um, that they find uh, are just a, a little bit um, more reliable, but more inspiring. And of course, the injury concerns over Sam Kane are ongoing. Uh, how long since he's played a complete season? Uh, you know, a long stretch of rugby. 
without actually uh, getting injured. So that, that is uh, an issue as well that they have to uh, factor in backup leadership, like backup and everything that they do. Uh, in terms of uh, other texts that have come in, uh, Smithy, um, this is about uh, what Lavina said a little bit earlier on. I uh, have to disagree. Think Talis is a great choice uh, to uh, be a role model for young Reese Walsh. She's well respected, a Queensland legend in the NRL. Warriors have done a good job getting this kid a mentor like that, an Indigenous Australian at that, at that one who will support him as a rugby league player culturally and as a man. Simon Mannering in New Zealand League, however, he ain't going to get the same feels as Talis. Interesting uh, point of view. Uh, Smithy Benji had surgery after the 2005 Grand Final, so he wasn't in the 2005 Tri-Nation squad. Personally, for me, that's my biggest I wish as far as Benji goes because he would have played in the halves with Stacey Jones and beating Australia 24-0 in the final and beating them twice in the tournament or the series for the first time since 1960s. Uh, Smithy, haven't heard a stat, but how about uh, how many games would Benji have missed through injury? He would have cracked 400 easy uh, had he uh, not missed uh, all those seasons and that season, of course, playing rugby. Um, rugby, of course, uh, when he tried to experiment with uh, the Blues. Uh, and of course, he had five shoulder reconstructions. Five shoulder reconstructions. Outstanding. Um, so, John, yeah, pretty busy morning on the old text machine. Yeah. Um, by, I, I mean, 24 hours on. Manu, how does it strike you? Uh, the same as it did yesterday. And I think Graham Lowe summed it up. And you could feel it from Graham Lowe. Uh, it, it heartbreaking, isn't it? Like for a guy that's a you know, great great Tongan man, great Warriors man, great Kiwis man, um, always smiling, Lavina said, a great guy to deal with in the media. So to see him fall from grace in this way with that drug is just absolutely heartbreaking. And to harp back to that text about Sam Kane, I think he easily gets back into the loose forward mix. Smithy, I rate Sam Kane extremely highly. I think he's the type of player we were missing in that last Springboks test. Someone who's like Sam Whitelock mentioned to us at the start of the show. Someone who's willing to put their head in the dark places with rampaging huge men coming at them for 80 minutes. That is Sam Kane to a T. For me, as a player, I don't think New Zealand has enough of those guys who are willing to do the hard work to get into every ruck. He's, he's like Ethan Blackadder, I think. Uh, he's got that mm. same kind of work rate. I think we saw guys like maybe Akira Iwani aren't up to those types of matches, but a guy like Sam Kane definitely is. And he's had different injuries. Like, sure, he's had his concussions, but a broken neck, and this latest one, a peck injury. Um, so they're all different types of injuries. So I think he's been pretty unlucky. And once he does string some games together, I'm pretty confident he is he is our best seven with Artie at eight. And then it's a, a bit of a free-for-all for six with some good um, options there. So I think he easily makes that loose forward mix, Smithy. Oh, I cringe when you hear those list of injuries, particularly around the head area. I really cringe. But broken neck, I forgot about that. You know, oh, goodness me, he's been through a lot. So... Um, I'm not sure how many more of those his body can sustain. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see how big a party plays in this uh, upcoming five matches. Uh, of course, uh, pro providing uh, he gets uh, through this very hard game for King Country against the mighty Wanganui at Owen Delaney Park on Saturday afternoon in Topo. It is 11.30 and you know what that means. Time to uh, ring 0800 0800-150-811. Time to stump Smithy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Here we go again. 50 bucks on the line from TAB as well as some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Sleep Drops, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. 
And we're heading back to red and black country again today. Ryan from Christchurch, g'day. Hey, young boys, you're up? Yeah, I'm doing well, doing very well. How's life in the South Island? Beautiful, not a bad day. It's nice and warm today. Yep, summer's coming. Summer's coming. It's good times. All right, you know how this uh, game works. You get three sporting categories, get three questions right. You win the sleep drops and the 50 bucks from the TAB, but get one wrong and Smithy can come and stump you and ruin your dreams. So are you ready to play, Ryan? Yes, yeah, certainly. All right, mate. Boxing, cricket and basketball. Which one of those do you like? Well, back to cricket, I think. All right, take on Smithy on his own game. I like it. Let's go. Did you play a bit yourself, Ryan, or still do? Oh, no, a little bit of school, but no, I haven't played years. Yeah, I haven't rolled the arm over. Well, let's hope that your trivia knowledge is in good form. Question number one. The Ashes have been played since 1882. Who has scored the most runs in Ashes history? Oh, jeez. You got Don Bradman? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, you would have been all over that. Well, yeah, I was. I was, I was looking at Bradman or someone from England who'd been around a long time, say a Graham Gooch or somebody of that nature, David Gower, but no, uh, Don Bradman clearly lived on. Yeah, absolutely. 5,028 runs just in Ashes alone. Some people are kill for that many runs in your whole test career. So quite amazing he was. Uh, sticking with the same subject, who has taken the most wickets in Ashes history? Warney, Shaman. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Very confident and very correct, Smithy. Shane Warne, most wickets in Ashes history. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, that was a, quite a simple one. Devastating, actually, some of those great moments. Uh, the, the Ashes, it was brilliant, but the Ashes brought the best out of them, and the best was very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. If you were to take a guess, how many wickets would you say Warney had got in the Ashes? Uh, me, I, I don't know. I'd say probably around about 170, 180. Yeah, getting around there, 195. Man, that's a good yeah, haul in the Ashes. Five-match series, though, and they played them a bloody lot. All right. Finally, question on the Ashes. 71 series have been played. How many have Australia won? And how many have England won? Oh, jeez, oh. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> it is um, tough. I reckon Australia, uh, 33. And England, oh, I don't know, 14. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's a bit harsh from Richie Benno because it's not one of the worst things I've ever heard. It was pretty good guessing actually, but not correct. Smithy, you want to give it a crack? I'm assuming there'll be there'll be some drawn series yep. amongst that. So, um, and quite a high percentage of drawn series, I would be thinking. So, um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go uh, Australia just ahead. I'm going to say uh, Australia about uh, 28, England 25. He's got him. He's out caught. Not correct, because it's a bloody hard question, but Ryan, you did say 33 for Aussie, that is correct, uh, and 32 for England, with only six drawn series. So, well done, Ryan. You have won the sleep drops, and you have won the 50 bucks from the TAB. Congratulations. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Yeah, well done, Ryan. Well done, Ryan. Stay on the line, and uh, uh, Brian will get the details off you so you can get that 50 bucks in your account and uh, spend it judiciously and successfully. 11.37 here 
on SENZ. Um, and uh, before we join Staffy, just prior to midday, uh, more chance to talk about your texts and the subject of the day. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, just finishing off on the texts that have come in this morning. Smithy, where is Manu's agent in all of this? Surely part of their duty is to guide them for life after league as opposed to just clipping the ticket each year on his contract. Meat traders, says uh, Barry. Uh, interesting point of view there. I'm not quite sure whether you could... Um, uh, I'm surely any common-sensed agent who knew anything about this uh, would have warned him away from it or would have uh, perhaps... Even if he had an agent, he might have walked away from him knowing that he was involved in that. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but surely uh, an agent, any agent with his salt, uh, if he was still around, whether he had still got agents or whether he just decided to go it alone because, of course, agents get fees and whether he was in a position uh, to provide that, I do not know. But um, things like Dancing with the Stars and uh, public speeches, appearances uh, all over the joint, uh, they generally... Uh, involve an agent and some fees. So it's a it's a valid point, Barry. Um, Zane comes, uh, and again, a couple of points. Uh, Manu, uh, the Warriors have a very solid system in place that mandates all of the young players participate in some form of tertiary education, trade, study, or work experience outside of the game. Uh, so I don't think that can be used as an excuse for Manu. Uh, through work, I do supporting young scooter riders. I have come across a number of teenage meth users. That stuff is absolutely poison. These kids uh, have their lives ruined before they've even had a chance. So Zane there, hands-on uh, with a few of our youths in society who, who are battling um, this horrible, horrible affliction to this horrible drug. Uh, Smithy, regarding Sam Kane, the one thing the All Blacks missed in the box game was experience. The young bucks, the young bucks uh, will get their chance. Uh, as soon as uh, that uh, comes around. But at the moment, you have to consider whether Sam's uh, presence on the field, uh, if he was there, whether the Springboks would have dealt to us to the same degree. Don't know. Never know the answer to that question, uh, but a very good text indeed. Uh, John, uh, talking uh, about rugby and uh, competitions coming up, we hear the news this morning that uh, the NPC teams out of Auckland have basically switched off. Basically, uh, it looks like after three strikes of saying, no, you can't relocate, they're out. Yeah, yeah, it's good for the bus. The bus can get out, but the Auckland teams can't, unfortunately. Of course, Julian Sevilla getting allowed to go to Wellington. They've done their paperwork correctly this time uh, and sorted that out. So good to see the bus going to Wellington. But um, yeah, really, really unfortunate for especially counties, I think, like real, like on the bones of their butt down there in South Auckland and really need um, provincial rugby to sell some tickets. They get pretty good crowds down there in Pookie and, you know, they do it tough. So I'm feeling for them, North Harbour and for Auckland and selfishly, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, you know, the, the biggest signing and in the MPC this year, we're not going to see him smithies. But, you know, uh, with COVID and you can't train, you can't prepare a team to get ready and trying to get um, exemptions from the government, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, some people can, like the netballers and Julian, but other teams can't. Too hard basket. So I feel really sorry for these three provinces up here and all their organisations and just how they're going to make um, make it all work money-wise, Smithy, because there ain't a lot of rugby uh, money in provincial rugby, is there? No, there's not. Uh, and on that subject, uh, I'm interested to see that they will be allowing a decent-sized crowd into McLean Park. So uh, holding the shield means getting some money, uh, and that's one of the benefits of it to the, the union in possession. 
Uh, and so the, the rule change allows for unlimited seeded crowns, uh, uh, crowds under alert level two with one metre distancing. So how they work on it, I do not know. They had a very healthy crowd last time when they defended against Bay of Plenty. Uh, there was quite a few Bay of Plenty people there, but I understand there's at least three plane loads full of uh, Tasman supporters coming up for this special occasion and uh, on the chance that they may be able to take it home and create uh, a little bit of history. Uh, so um, at one point you're only allowed 100 people per defined space, but it looks like you may be able to have every second row with people in it and see the couple of seats apart, which uh, in a capacity of 19,000 you could still fit quite a few in. So uh, Hawke's Bay will be exploring that side of things, but it's important that they do have uh, some kind of atmosphere there, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Shield games with uh, cr- massive crowds, there's nothing better. Uh, nothing better. Like I don't think we'll ever see the crowds that we saw in yesteryear, last century, but um, a good crowd for a Shield game makes a huge difference, doesn't it, Smithy, to the to the players and the whole atmosphere and the broadcast, which you're going to be part of an all-star team. Have you got any Marco men in the broadcast, or is it just you and Izzy and all the rest of the Bay Boys? No, just me, uh, Izzy and Nisbo. Nisbo, Mr. Neutral. So you, you can bet your bottom dollar that Grant Nisbet will be, he'll play it straight down the line and call the action as it is. Might be a little bit of bias, uh, but tend to, because you get a lot of criticism about being biased in commentary, you tend, uh, often you tend, to, you, you tend to sway the other way. Uh, I think it'll be a quality game of rugby. I, I really do. And, and I, think, uh, I think Tasman are the best chance this year. Uh, to take it off Hawke's Bay, I, I really do, with the quality that they possess. Um, another couple of uh, que- uh, texts have come in. Uh, in my opinion, uh, of following rugby for over 45 years, uh, Sam Kane is one tackle away from a career-ending concussion, but you can never question his courage. Uh, you're never ever going to question his courage. Uh, why don't the, the three teams that have uh, basically ruled themselves out of the NPC play amongst themselves? Well, they can't really, can they? Uh, that's the whole thing. I mean, at the moment, they can't even touch each other or touch a rugby ball at training. So <laughs> yeah. if that frees up a wee bit, I mean, how, how can they even be prepared and, and what kind of crowds could you get to that? And what's what's the worthwhile nature of that apart from some, you know, 30-odd uh, blokes or 40-odd blokes playing a couple of games of rugby yeah. you know, just to finish off the season? Deflating. RTS would sell tickets, though, Smithy. If it wasn't in a competition, that alone, I think, would sell um, tickets. I think Ross Carl, who we had on the panel, who works for Sky, mentioned earlier that this could be a real possibility, that they do play a mini-competition once they're allowed to train. It's ridiculous that they're not allowed to pass a ball to each other. But anyway, that's another rule that we're living under at the moment. As soon as that drops and they can get training together, I'm sure they'll be keen to put on any sort of game to get tickets uh, sold and to give Roger some game time. I'd go to that, definitely. I was going to go to his day debut against Bay of Plenty eight weeks ago, uh, but then COVID shut that down and shut everything down. Um, and in terms of Sam Kane, people wanting to retire him, saying he's one tackle away from a career-ending concussion. Well, everyone is. Everyone's one tackle away from a career-ending concussion. We all wanted to retire Richie McCaw. Uh, he played 148 tests. We all wanted to retire Comrade Smith when he was having head knocks. He played over 100 tests. I think we're very quick these days, Smithy, to retire people quickly with concussion, but I think it's best left up to the doctors, and um, us at home should just support the athletes. They know what they're doing. They're getting very good advice, and at the end of the day, they make that call themselves. So I don't think it helps when people go, oh, you know, you're one tackle away from retirement due to concussions. They know that. You know, they're very smart people, these people, so they wouldn't risk themselves and the rest of their lives over a game of rugby, I'm sure. Well, okay. Um, there have been those that have, and uh, of course, not just in rugby either. And there's now well publicised 
cases of players, former players, particularly in the NFL, leaving their brains or uh, leaving their brains for cancer when they pass uh, for not cancer, but they, for uh, scrutiny, uh, for testing, etc. Uh, when they pass, uh, uh, finally pass away, they're donating um, those organs. So that's interesting in that respect, and hopefully through that they'll come to uh, some answers. Really good news coming out of uh, rugby yesterday, though, was the announcement of um, Super Rugby or Picky, uh, which, of course, is the women's competition involving four teams. Uh, there'll be a team from the Chiefs, uh, the Blues, the Hurricanes, uh, and then one from the South Island, which surprised me a little bit because I, I think Canterbury would be self-sufficient in that regard. But I suppose in terms of uh, practicality, costs, etc., cetera, uh, this is the first move. may extend, uh, extend to five at some point, but four... Um, so that really good news because it's a paid gig for, for the women, fully professional, and those squads will be announced very shortly. We spoke to uh, China Hohepe yesterday. She's a bit nervous about whether she was going to be included, but uh, a good time for women's rugby. Yeah, great announcement. It was cool seeing them get the chance last year to play some super and now to actually form a competition and get paid more money. It's good. Uh, it's a product that definitely has improved over the time. Smithy, I remember watching women's rugby a couple of decades ago and uh, the passing wasn't great, you know, uh, the kicking wasn't superb, but it's come such a long way. With the more investment you get in women's rugby, I think the product gets a lot better and more rugby, I think, is great. Uh, and you make a good point. Canterbury could have probably had the Crusaders, but I think the Highlanders would have struggled. I, don't, I think Southland's the only province without a women's team so the Highlanders would have been fully reliant on Dunedin on Otago players so I can see why at this stage they're going to be a South Island team you you got a nickname in mind for the South Island super rugby team on you know you've got Crusaders no, and Highlanders I can't really think yeah. of one well you've got to be very careful how you name teams these days aren't you I mean uh, you can't really yeah. <laughs> uh, do bat you can't do battle or anything of that nature so uh, they'll be talking it over mulling it over but very good news uh, for women's rugby. And uh, my question to myself here uh, would be, will that attract people to stay in the game longer? Yes. Uh, will, it, um, will it attract our seven stars to play more 15s rugby? Yes. So where's the bad thing in that? Brilliant. And I've got some high-profile names in, in women's rugby now to cash in on. 11.52 here on SENZ. Time for Staffy after the break.